Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very uh, special guest today, and I think you're going to enjoy him. His name is John Astle, and he has had a very significant and highly unusual career, and uh, he's going to tell us all about it, but it involves uh, him getting out of high school in West Virginia, uh, going to college, uh, and somehow or another, he ended up in the Marine Corps. He'll tell us how that happened. And then the Marine Corps was nice enough to send him to a foreign country known as Vietnam and a very big target known as a helicopter. And he uh, evacuated wounded soldiers and did wonderful things to help, uh, help the Marines, particularly those who were injured. And he got himself uh, shot up twice and uh, was uh, an amazing pilot. I'll tell you how amazing he is. How many people do you know who have ever flown a president's helicopter, landed it at the White House, and, and flew, flown with it? Well, he did that for three and a half years. So <laughs> he's got some bragging rights. John, tell us a little bit about you growing up, uh, how you ended up in the Marine Corps. Well, <clears throat> I grew up in a small town in West Virginia. Uh, my parents, you know, this is unusual for the town I grew up in. But my parents were both college graduates. And so, you know, it was foregone conclusion that I was going to end up in college. But the problem was um, I was not a good student in high school and my grades were not that great. And colleges were looking favorably at my uh, applications. So I needed to do something to kind of change the pace a bit. And um I'd, always, I'd seen all the John Wayne movies, and I thought, the Marines, that's where I want to be. I, I didn't play athletics in high school. I was in the band, uh, and so I needed to show my manhood, and I'm going to join the toughest service. So I went to Paris Island, and uh, Camp Lejeune did six months active duty and came back and, and got into school. And, and the Marine Corps had uh, kind of changed my outlook on the world and what I had to do. And so I ended up, uh, I got into the PLC program and did well. I was the honor man my first summer and, and did well my second summer. And then I was commissioned as a regular officer in the United States Marine Corps. And that began the trip. Uh, <laughs> you know, my first election, this is a little aside, but my first election, the first election I voted in, Barry Goldwater was, uh, was a candidate. And people asked me, so who are you voting for? And I said, well, I'm going to vote for Barry Goldwater. And they said, oh, if you vote for Barry Goldwater, there's going to be a war in Vietnam and you're going to be there. And I voted for Barry Goldwater. And sure enough. <laughs> it was meant to be, apparently. <laughs> I, I guess. So what made you want to fly a helicopter? Well, initially, when I when I went into the Marine Corps, I, I was commissioned. I wanted to be an infantry officer. I'd seen all the John Wayne movies, and I'd grown up in West Virginia, spent a lot of time as a hunter in the field, in the bush, and, and I thought that's that's what I want to do. Well, I was at the basic school, and I was out one night on a on a field problem, and it was drizzling rain, and it was cold, and we were wet and miserable, and when... Uh, it was over. The helicopter came in and picked us up and I got on board and it was warm and dry and I could see those boys up front. They looked pretty comfortable. And I said to myself, I think this is what I want to do. So I put in for flight school and was accepted. Now, here's a little an aside. Uh, 
initially I was rejected for a flight school because I have a hearing loss in my left ear as a result of a childhood injury. So they sent me to Bethesda to see an ear, nose and throat doctor. And he put me through all the tests. And, and when he finished, he took me into his office and he said, well, Lieutenant, uh, it's true. You have a hearing loss, but you know what? That's exactly why they have volume switches on radios. And he gave me a waiver and I got into flight school on a waiver. Uh-huh. Tell me about your uh, first uh, couple of weeks in Vietnam. What was that like? Oh, it was uh, pretty amazing. I got there on the 19th of June, 1968. I'd gotten my, my wings on the 23rd of February, and then I had I got 100 hours of flight time in New River and then got to Vietnam on the 19th of June. And, uh, you know, I was first struck by the blister, the heat was just unbearable. I mean, Jan, you, you know, the, the humidity and the heat in, in the summer, um, and the smell, um, you know, the burning, uh, outhouses that, that they did was, so I joined the squadron and I'm the new guy and, um, I didn't know any of the older guys. And so they, they take you in and, and I had to do some, uh, flights to, you know, to kind of get acclimated. And then, for the first, uh, up until August, I flew as a co-pilot on all the flights that I did. So I was just really kind of along for the ride. Now, I will tell you that uh, I got there on the 19th of June. One of my friends, uh, we'd gone to the basic school together. We'd gone to flight school together. We were on the same airplane going to Vietnam. Uh, we joined the same squadron and we were billeted in the same uh, hooch. Uh, on the 3rd of July, he was killed. Um doing a recon um, insert extraction. And that was kind of uh, a wake up call when I suddenly realized this is not the movies. Shot with rifle fire or what? I'm sorry? Wasn't shot by rifle fire, small arms or what? Small arms, yeah. They they were taking a reconnaissance team into a, into a landing zone and they started taking fire and uh, the pilot tried to to get out of there and the volume of fire was such that the aircraft came down and everybody on board was killed. All the nine guys from the recon team and the crew of four uh, on the helicopter. So, but that was uh, all of a sudden I realized this is, this is different. This is serious. Yeah. So we started flying uh, solo with the co-pilot, I guess. And uh, you got yourself shot. What happened? Well, the first time I was the co-pilot, um, we were, this was in July, you know, I, again, I hadn't been there a month and, uh, we were taking, um, ammunition to a unit that was in contact. We got out there and, uh, I could see the tracers, uh, the, theirs was one color, ours was red. And, uh, you could see them as we got overhead, they were shooting at each other. And then the number one aircraft, cause we were, there were two of us, uh, when he went down, we could see the other side started shooting at him. He got in, dropped his load, came out, and we started down. And uh, as we were passing through 800 feet, all of a sudden a bullet came through the floor, um, got me in the leg, went up, shot the uh, the uh, microphone off the aircraft commander's helmet, and uh, and then the crew chief was screaming on the intercom, put it down, put it down, because a round had nicked uh, – 
fuel line was under pressure and it was spraying atomized fuel into the cabin. And he was afraid that we were a tracer would turn us into a giant fireball. So, so we went down um, to the ground. So that was my first. That's a pretty scary story. <laughs> it was pretty scary. On your purple heart. You know, one of the things, oh, I, I, I got to tell you, I always remember this and I think it was kind of humorous. Uh, the crew chief was screaming, put it down, put it down. I looked over at the aircraft commander and he had his mouth open and he was pointing at his mouth. And I knew the bullet, we were in a left-hand turn and the bullet had come up through the floor on my side and went by my leg and it went up towards his head. And I thought, oh my God, he's been hit in the head. And I, but I couldn't see any blood. And then I realized he wanted me to tell him on the ground that we were coming in, that we were coming down. And <laughs> the best I could, I could manage was, we're going down, we're going down. So it wasn't exactly John Wayne. No. <laughs> but to be honest, I was pretty scared. Yeah. How much pain was your bullet wound? Well, it, initially, there was not much. I mean, you know, the, the adrenaline's pumping, and I just it wasn't until we were on the ground and things slowed down that I, I felt some pain. Yeah. So I'm, I'm lucky uh, it didn't break the bone. It just broke the skin and uh so it was just a matter of sewing it up and letting it heal and and the the uh how did you get your second purple heart i got one too i call it scoring a point for the other team but uh go ahead. Yeah, yeah um this was one that i that i never expected i mean the first one there was a battle going on and we could see that but this one uh now i was the aircraft commander I had a co-pilot. Actually, uh, he, he lives over on the eastern shore of Maryland now. We've stayed in touch o over the years. Uh, we were going to move a company of Marines a thousand meters. They, they didn't want to walk them because these guys had been wading around in, in uh, rice paddies and they were starting to show symptoms of immersion foot. And uh, so they want us to fly. them. So a thousand meters. I mean, that's nothing. And the area had been swept the day before the battalion had moved. And this was a company been held in reserve. So we're going to take them up, rejoin the battalion. So we were doing daisy chain. In other words, I took the first load I flew and he, and this was my first flight as a section leader. So I was leading two helicopters in this. So um, get the first load, fly him over, came back. I landed, gave the controls to my co-pilot. So he takes a, the next load, we drop him. So we're coming back in empty and uh, the Marines were every place. They were sitting around shooting the breeze, smoking cigarettes. And uh, we turned to turn into the wind and we were, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet in the air. And this guy crawled out of a spider hole with an AK and emptied it into my airplane. <laughs> so, 20, 20, 30 rounds in those clips, huh? Yeah, how, however many. Uh, it got not only in the cockpit, but my gunner got hurt pretty severely. We lost one of our hydraulic boost systems. I mean, the aircraft was shot up pretty badly. No. So I was really fortunate. The, the first round came through the nose and through the instrument panel, uh, and it hit my stick and shattered my stick into a thousand pieces of plastic and metal. And that deflected it slightly, and it went up and hit the inside of my armored seat and ricocheted, hit the back, ricocheted, went behind my head and out the glass. 
And what I got was a face full of shards of metal and plastic from the stick or the stick. Fortunately, I had my visor down. Yes. Uh, so my eyes were protected. But the other thing, we were in a right-hand turn and I had my head turned to make sure we were clear. And that saved my life because had I been sitting up straight in the seat, uh, the bullet would have got me right in the head. Yes, yeah. so I just was very, very lucky. That would have ended your career, I believe, in the Marine Corps. It would have. <laughs> and on planet Earth, actually. Uh, premature. It was rough yeah. there, and uh, the Marines especially, had, in the time you were there in 1968, at, right after Tet, I mean, things were, there was a lot of fighting by very large units of North Vietnamese soldiers. And, uh, you know, the Marines are fantastic. Listen, you've had this great career. You've done these wonderful things. You became a very influential member of the Maryland State uh, Senate and, and the House of Delegates. I mean, but here you are, uh, suppose you're talking to a group of high school kids and, and, and they said, wow, you, you flew helicopters for the president and all that. And, and you say, yeah, but you know, I, I barely, uh, <laughs> I barely made through high school. You know, I did, never did any work but I got myself focused and straightened out. How would you explain your success and what are the qualities you have in your personality and spiritually and so forth that have led you to overcome so many obstacles? Well, I think I attribute part of it to my experience in the Marine Corps uh, and, and in Vietnam. You know, in the political arena, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of tension, a lot of pushing and shoving. Um, and I always used to say to my colleagues when they'd get really uh, emotional about an issue, I'd say, wait, wait, wait. Are they shooting real bullets? <laughs> yeah, I see. And the answer was, well, no, why? And I said, well, if they're not shooting real bullets, then this is not a serious issue. And we have time to sit down and really take a look at it. And, you know, that was one of the, the things that I think helped me was I kept my focus. And the other thing, I was willing to listen to people, really listen, uh, and then not make a judgment until I'd, I'd heard all aspects of, of the issue. But once I made a decision, then I wasn't afraid to stand up and say, this is, this is where I'm going on this issue, and this is why. And I think part of that um, ability to stand up and and state my position and then defend it was again my experience of having to deal with some pretty emotional scary things in in my vietnam experience yeah well nowadays i see so many of our political leaders you know talking past each other and uh a very toxic in, environment but a part of your success in maryland i believe with People found you very likable because you would listen to their, their arguments. And, uh, you know, you always played, played fair. Well, at this time, I want to thank you for this uh, podcast. And uh, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. That's the motto of the U.S. Marines. It is, Jan. And, uh, you know, um, I have a lot of good friends that are, are soldiers. So, um, you know, the Marine Corps is not the only place. And, and by the way, I have a brother who was a B-52 pilot. Um, have you got time for a sea story? Yeah. So we had to take eight helicopters from Vietnam to Okinawa to get some depot level maintenance done on the helicopters. And so 
we went aboard a ship and when we flew ashore to the Air Force Base to Dina. And so we, after we did all the paperwork, we went into the officers club. Uh, they had a flight suit bar and we're in flight suits that came from Vietnam. I mean, they're filthy, sweat stained, hydraulic fluid, <laughs> filthy. And so we're, we're at the bar, 16 of us. And all of a sudden the doors burst open and uh, somebody yelled, stand back from the bar, make way for the combat crews. Well, we really thought that's what we were. So we, we didn't move. Well, these guys, they come marching in with spit shine boots, starch flight suits and gold ascots. And uh, they were B-52 pilots. So we had a guy that was a little problem child when he drank. So he was always at the front. So in this time, he was at the last, he was the last guy on the bar in our line. Now we're watching him watch them. And all of a sudden he, he turns to the ones close and he says, uh, uh, excuse me, but you, you, you guys are c- combat pilots. And they said, well, yes, we are. Well, what, 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 what do you f- f- fly? Well, we fly B-52s. Well, wow. <laughs> B-52s say, well, you must like fly over Vietnam and stuff. Well, we do the arc lights. And when you do an arc light, how high do you normally fly? We hit the initial point about 35,000 feet. (laughs) He stands back and in a voice that rattled the bar, he said, wait a second. You mean to tell me the closest you've been to the war is seven miles? (laughs) And then we got thrown out of the club. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Marines are always good for <laughs> a little inter-service rivalry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. We look forward to seeing you. By the way, we both live in the beautiful city of Annapolis, Maryland, the capital of this little uh, state we have here. And uh, it's a wonderful place to live. We feel all good.